Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, February the 25th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of Year C and Transfiguration Sunday. We've made it to the end here today. And so for the gospel text of the week, which we'd like to cover on Friday, we'll go to Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. They give us the option of also reading verses 37 through 43a. So if you'd like to add that in, that you can do that as well. But I'll also do 28 through 36 this morning. So let me read that passage. We've got a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this party of morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about the exit, his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it is wonderful for us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed him, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice had finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time that what they had seen. This is the word of God for us. Luke is a gospel writer. He's trying to tell a story, but he's also trying to teach a community of people. And so he does a couple of peculiar things with his gospel that some of the other gospel writers will do when we look at them side by side in the synoptic gospels. What we can say is one of the themes of Luke is that whenever prayer happens, something significant happens. Uh, more often than the other, uh, the other synoptic gospels, there are times where Jesus is praying and significant things happen. Like at his baptism, he is praying when the spirit descends upon him like a dove. Here in the transfiguration. They're up on a mountain and they're praying and something significant happens. So whenever there's a teaching about prayer or there is an action of prayer, something significant, a big milestone in the story is there. And I think this is important for Luke's deployment of the Jesus story. We do believe that Luke and Acts are supposed to be read together side by side. And so we see this theme continue on in the book of Acts as well, that as the people of God are praying in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit descends upon them. Um, after being threatened by the religious rulers in Acts chapter 4, the church is praying and the whole room where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with boldness. And so again and again, when prayer happens, something happens. I think this is important for us in our piety as Christians. We're praying people. There's many things about us. We are people who study scripture and ancient texts. We are people who act out the ways of Jesus and the kingdom way of life in this world. And we're people of prayer. And that begs a host of questions, ones that uh, are maybe intimidating to answer, but an but they're also inspiring to answer. What do we do when, when, what happens when we pray? What does God do? Are we just praying God's will? Do we only pray the things uh, that God inspires us to pray? Uh, do we convince God to do something through our prayers? And so you have this array of things that happen 
uh, array of things said as uh, people engage in the topic of prayer uh, throughout the whole panorama of the Christian experience and story. A couple ones that we might uh, linger on just to hold a paradox in together. Uh, some of the older sources like John Cassian, he says that when we pray, we uncover that which God has already desired to do. And so prayer isn't so much creating with God, but it's revealing something that's always been there. So in Cassian's version of private and corporate prayer, he says that we pray to search the scriptures, to look for the promises of God and to cling to them. And those are the things which God does. And this has some resonance with um, the letters of John later in the New Testament, which talks about how uh, God does the things that we pray for. If we pray according to his will, we know that we can have them. And so there's a sense where God is inspiring us in the background, maybe in the, like the subconscious, we might say God is planting things there. So one of the things that we should do when we pray is to wait upon God as we pray. Right? Another version of what happens in Christian prayer is probably a hyperbolic statement from John Wesley, uh, the great Methodist uh, revolutionary who launched a movement of godliness upon both Europe and the early colonial days of the United States. He says, he says, God does nothing in the earth, but through believing prayer. And so God is in this sense, he's inspiring us to pray and he's waiting upon us grappling with our world. He inspires us. We, we somehow uh, ask and plead and convince God to hear our prayers, uh, to hold our burdens uh, with us so that uh, he can go into redemptive activity. And so we've got these two sides of the same coin. There's the people, the church of God praying, and God is doing stuff, either the things that he and his love already destined and desired to do, or the things that he is doing because in his love, he is cooperating with his people, his representatives, his co-regents on the earth. Nevertheless, what we see here in the story of the Transfiguration is Jesus and his friends praying and God showing up. Two unique characters show up in the story, Moses and Elijah. We might ask, well, what's this all about? It's worth, worth noting that both these characters have these mysterious deaths in the Old Testament. Uh, for Elijah, he is taken up in a chariot of fire, like he doesn't have like a, an official funeral. He's just kind of whisked away. And Moses, there's this neat little line at the end of the Pentateuch where Moses is buried by God, right? And so what exactly does that mean? There seems to be an intimate moment at the end of Moses' life where his life expires and he's in the call and the care of God. Um, Moses and Elijah also represent, as tearing figures in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, these two inspiring founts of influence upon the people of God. And so there they're standing with Jesus and the image would have been clear. Here is Jesus on a mountain. The glory of God shines around him in the two redemptive pieces of Israel's story. The revelation of their story, the law and the prophets are being met in Christ. And so that image would have been so heavy upon the ancient readers of this story. But we see Peter trying to meddle into the business. He says, um, God, can we uh, build some shelters so that we can remain here and stay in the bask in the glow of all this, right? <laughs> I just love how Luke says, Peter had no idea what he was talking about. I think this also teases out, maybe in a playful way, how oftentimes we try to contain the things that God wants to do wildly out in the open. And so we need to give ourselves great care. We need to, of course, make plans and uh, we need to do our best to figure out logically and uh, through prayer and through study what we should do as a people of God. But we should always leave room for God to do something else, which seems to be the neat little lesson from this story. So when we pray, things happen. 
And we need to be in an expectation that uh, God is going to do even more than we can ask or imagine, even with our best laid plans. So with all those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pause before you today. We allow our souls to rise to meet you, and we thank you that as we pray and commune with you, there is quite a mystery. Uh, We get to be in your presence, be held in your love, but we also get to see the world change around us. And whether that is because um, you've destined it before we even prayed or because you are working with us in our prayers, uh, we leave that into your hands, and we just revel in the fact that we can commune with you and we can see you work in the world around us. So God, we thank you that when we pray, things happen. So we pray that things would happen, the things that are near and dear to our hearts, the things that we know nothing about. We simply pray that we would watch your kingdom advance in this world around us. God, we thank you for the story of Jesus and his friends on the mountaintop and Elijah and Moses and the mystery of it all. God, we also confess that like Peter, we try to take control and don't allow you to be God. So forgive us today. Allow us to be amazed by you and allow us to be led by you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.